Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Welcome you all here this morning. So let's, um, I know we literally just got through praying. And as I've said before, I say again, I don't have the nerve to do this without praying. So, hallelujah, let's pray and ask God to touch us, touch those that are out back, hallelujah. For I do not want to just go through the motion. I want God to touch me. I want God to touch us, touch our mind, hallelujah, that we can receive what he would have for us. Let's pray. God, I love you today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word most of all. For it is the nourishment of life. We ask you right now, God, that you would anoint us. Touch us, Lord God. We thank you for this precious word, for what it will do. Anoint us, each and every one, Lord God. Have your way. Minister to us. Help us to gather our thoughts, Lord God, and to dwell on you, Lord Jesus. Let the Spirit rule and reign, Lord God. Touch us this day, Lord God, as we thank and praise you and study of your word, Lord God. I pray, have your way. The next few moments, God, I pray, and through this day, I pray, the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I know of all the um, times that I've stood behind this desk, I never take this for granted. I always, always take it very serious. And with that being said, uh, this is one of the days that I always look forward to this month. Christmas, the time of Christmas, um, what this means, what this means to us, and I just always look forward to this part of uh, year. And for what we look at and the lesson that we're going to study, uh, Brother Herndon started it last week. Uh, Mary, did you know? So that's what the series is about and as I normally do, I just have a few comments that I want to make in beginning. So, um, normally, I'm a man of few words, so I'll continue with that theme. So, I'm not for one that puts my toe in the pool, so I'm just going to dive in. So, let's go. Um, the Bible says it like this. I didn't give them these scriptures, but just listen. Speaking of the old... Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended the work which he had made. If you believe that verse, then you cannot ascribe to evolution. That is why I don't believe in the theory of evolution. Because once it was finished, there is no such thing as a creature trying to evolve to get its identity. Because God said he made an end, it was completed, it was done. 
we see the chart of the evolution and how it's progressing. That's nonsense. According to the Word of God, that is not my theory. That is the Bible's theory. The Bible says God finished it. It was completed. It was done. It was over. The completion, the Bible says, God said it was very good. At this time, there was no sin in the earth. God had created it. It was done. It was just like it was done. The Bible says he commanded. They was created. He established them forever, speaking of everything he had created. It was done. It would be cruel to leave something half created. And it's saying, you know what? I've given you this much, but you've got to strive to be, you've got to evolve a little bit each time to try to figure out what you are. That is cruel. I'm telling you, God is not like that. When he created everything he created, it was to its capacity. There was not something, in other words, when, we were, when, everything, when everything was created the first time, it was created, as we would say, for lack of a better term, as an adult. There was no babies. It was full term created. Everything was complete. Everything was done. And it was done and completed. And what I'm going to make a reference to, I'll go to the New Testament with this, but in the Old Testament, when it was done and God said it was finished, take his word for it. It was finished. There was no, let's look at this and see how it's going to evolve in the next five million years. Nonsense. God said it was done, it was good, and settle it. It's over. It's done. That's the way Christians, that's the way we should look at it. Take his word for it. It's done. It's over. It's settled. So he takes, he does this. And then he says, look, he takes at the end of six days, Christ the creator rested from all his works that he created. And now the Bible says he's upholding all things by the word of his power. If you've ever believed anything, you can look at the earth and that it's spinning on his axis and you think, what holds this in place? I'm telling you, if you don't even believe a God exists with the earth spinning on his axis, what holds this in place? While it is moving in orbit. And this thing is just going to happen. The Big Bang Theory and all this thing just comes in place. Just takes a, take the complexity of the human body. You cut yourself and all of a sudden it just tries to start healing itself. And wow, this just happened. Just forgive me for being sarcastic, but I'm fed up with the nonsense of the world. It's time for us to just stand up for what we believe. This is the biblical account. God created us. He created us in his image. Image is shadow. When you look at someone's shadow, that is what we was created in, God's shadow. And when he created us, we was created in his image. Other words, this is what, he, when he created us, God said, Behold, I'm, that, I'm he that liveth and was dead. I'm alive forevermore. He is the resurrection and the life. The Bible says it like this. He is the first begotten of the dead. Meaning that he died. He's the first begotten of the dead. He rose again. Everybody else that rose from the dead in the Bible, they had to die again. Jesus didn't. When he died on the cross and he rose again, he's never going to die again. That's why the Bible calls him the first begotten of the dead. So this word that we settle, a word that we read is settled in heaven, the Bible tells us. It is literally God gave it to Moses, David, others, prophets in the Old Testament. You can read the Bible in the New Testament says that it's literally 
that God breathed inspiration of the Holy Ghost, as it was says. They anointed the writers of the Old Testament and they penned the words, not their own philosophy or their own words or their theories. It is God-breathed word of God that they wrote. And they did that. So they took, and then the, the very last one is, is a book of Revelation. So they have this, and they took... They took, and the Bible is complete. This word is finished. It was complete. Therefore, that's why when John penned Revelation, that's why I said when he created everything and God said it's finished, it was finished as far as creation. There is no new species. If, they, if somebody comes up and says, hey, we discovered an, a new species. In theory, it may be new to us, but it is not a new species. It is something that has been hid from us. So when John penned Revelation and said, and the Bible says it is done, it is completed, the completed word of God is settled in heaven. Now, if somebody comes up, and you can take this from what it is, and says, I have a new theory, a new revelation, and something, and it's outside of this word, you leave them alone. This is the settled word of God. There is no new revelations as far as this word. If they give you or try to give you a revelation or tell you something that's not in this word, run from them. Cut it off. Don't listen to it. Because this word is settled in heaven. This is it. This is what we have. It is enough. It is enough to save us. So... There is no more prophecy, so to speak. I'm not saying about the Holy Ghost speaking in people. I'm talking about the inspired word of God. This word is done. It's settled. This is what we have. So, we have Jesus. Now, he takes, he gets on the cross, and we see Jesus. Now, here is the Lord He's taken the beginning of his ministry. As we, will, as we will read, he tells his mother, his hour has not yet come. But before this, John the Baptist is even introducing Jesus literally as the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The Bible says he became obedient even to the death of the cross to bear our sins in his own body on the tree, the Bible says. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might uh, be made righteousness in God, of God in him. Now, what I wanted to get to is this. There is a phrase in the Bible, literally, when you read it, where God says on the cross, it is finished. That's literally the last words of Jesus on the cross. He says, it is finished. When you read that, it is finished, this is the last words. But literally, that was a declaration made. God, here it is right now. It is a long, long promise that the prophets had spake from the beginning of time ever since God had been inspiring them to write. He was telling them all the tolls in ministry, the persecution, the mockeries, all the blood, the pain in the garden that God had experienced. And when he said, it is finished, 
it was finished. Now, if I go, it's like this. I'll use me. If I go when God said it is finished, every tool that has been made available to the church is made available. If I go to God and just say, I can't live this. I'm telling you face to face, man to man, that's on me. When God said it is finished, it is finished. What he meant, every tool I need in the spiritual realm to be successful is done. And if I say I can't do it, that's on me. But that's the negative. Look at the positive. God has said it is finished, therefore be glad because everything I need is done. He said it's finished. Take his word for it. When something is bothering you or you find yourself at a low point in your spiritual life, God said it's finished. Go to God and pray. Say, God, I am struggling in this area. That is not a weak point. That's a time to go pray. And God has said it's finished. So all he's asking, all he is saying is you have help available. It's done. It's done. Don't sit there. If everything you needed, someone literally had, and they said all you had to do was ask. All you had to do was ask. And you just died and left. And they're saying all they had to do was just ask. I had every means, every opportunity to give them, but they just wouldn't ask. And God said, it's finished. I have it. I have everything they would need. They won't believe me. They won't take advantage of it. But when he said it is finished, take him at his word. Don't sit there and go through life and struggle and just torment and be tormented of the enemy. If the enemy is bothering you, it's finished. Go to God. There's ways around this. God said, come to me for help. There's ways to fight this. There is a battle that we face, but God said there is a weapon. Every available weapon is done. Now, in the Bible also, this is where I give them some scripture. I want you to look at this with me because this is spoke of a lot. I'll just give you a couple of my opinions. The Bible says it like this, speaking of the old and the new. The Bible says, speaking of the law. He said, think it not, think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, where he says, I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill, God is just saying, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill. That is to complete, to complete the law. Now, we have enough sense to know we don't obey all the 613 commandments of the Old Testament. God is saying, I come and to bring the fulfillment, the completion of the law. So now, go with me in the 5 and 20 if you want to. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, keep in mind what I said. God said it's finished. But here he takes a people. Here's the Pharisees he just brought into the mix. A people that he rebuked more, more than any other people. Okay, look at this. Here's the scribes of that day. They was the most learned sect of the people. Here's the Pharisees. They was the most zealous sect of the law 
of the people. But they had no spirit. The Holy Ghost hadn't yet been given. They were so overzealous of the law, they just said we, they just studied to the nth degree, so to speak, and made everybody else to be peons, and just they had the law, they had the understanding of the law, and you was just nothing because they understood it. And God is saying in the new covenant, your righteousness has to exceed them. Now you explain that. But he rebuked the Pharisees more than he did anybody else. They didn't have no spirit. Now we have a spirit. God said, I came to fulfill the law. What I did, I completed the law. They didn't have it. Now you have it. But we don't do the commandments that they was talking about. But God said, your righteousness has to exceed their righteousness. Other words, you have to do it. What I'm saying is do not look at this like a ton of brick have been put on your shoulders. Look at this like everything you need has been provided because it has simply because God has provided it and he has. He has. He has done this. Now, he has made a way in Luke. I'm going to read a scripture in Luke. In Luke 1, let's read uh, Luke 1, 31 through 35. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give him unto the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come come upon thee, and the power of the, and the, power of the highest shall overshadow thee. There, therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, in verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Behold, thou shalt conceive. I know this is an adult, but just give me the lead way to say this. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb. This would not be normal from the beginning. You would conceive this child in your womb where a child would grow. This birth is different. And they would say to her, here is a young lady that all of a sudden that is promised the most precious gift on planet earth that could get her stoned to death. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if some, some of the people literally said, how can this be? You are a liar. You tell us you're pregnant and you've never known a man? How could this be? But what gets me 
is here you have the scribes and the Pharisees. Didn't anybody read Isaiah? 700 years before this, the prophets was telling them, a virgin is going to conceive and bear this child. And now all of a sudden you're surprised? God always does this. He always tells the men in our lives, the prophets, whoever they may be, to warn his children that when it comes, don't be surprised. I'm telling you, that's, let me throw in a, a punch for revelation. Some people won't read it because they say it concerns the future. Or what if we're raptured at the end of revelation? You better read that book. Don't be like the people in Jerusalem when some young lady says, I'm pregnant with a child. And all of a sudden, they say, you know, the tribulation started. I don't know when. If somebody tells you they know when God's coming, leave them alone. No man knows the day or the hour. All I'm saying, God put that book in this Bible for a purpose. And if we leave it alone, it's detrimental to us. Now, here is this, this lady telling them she is pregnant with a child. And they're like, really? No, not in the way you're saying. And so literally when you read that about her husband, Joseph, he is saying, you know what? To be a spouse then was to be legally married. And Joseph said, I'll divorce you. That's what he wanted to do. And that's why the angel gave Joseph a dream, said, you can't do this. Mary is pure. Even after she burst this child, she will be a virgin. And then that's why the Bible, I know this is plain, but just forgive me. That's why the Bible says you would conceive in your womb. And where the Bible says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. Remember when Solomon couldn't minister in the temple because the cloud was so thick? That was the Shekinah glory of God. That's what it means here. Mary was there. The glory of God overshadowed her. Literally, like a blanket covered her. And she conceived. Literally, that's when she did this. And the Bible tells that this happened. So now, let's go to our lesson it's in John, we'll read in John chapter uh, 2 and 1 through 5. The Bible says, And then on the third day there was a marriage in Cana, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And they wanted wine, and the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And he saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother said unto the serpents, Whatever he saith unto you, do it. Now, here we have this story. It's one thing to notice about John. Why he did this, I don't know if he meant anything by it, but John never calls Jesus' mother by her name. Why? I don't know. He just never did. Here, he, you know, he just says the mother of Jesus was there. But here is a time when they lived, when her, the word got out. Man, I don't know what kind of look she had to live with. I'm telling you, this was a time 
when you go run and hide if you was pregnant, it brought shame on you. Now, here you are as what we would call engaged. It brought shame on your husband, his family, their family, and everybody that knew you. So she is, all of a sudden, the greatest event that's going to ever happen on earth, and she's toting all of this. Here is this lady toting all of this. Gabriel had come to her. Oh, you're highly favored and you're blessed. <laughs> really? <laughs> what have I done? You know, and she's toting all of this. But I don't know. The Bible doesn't record. I don't know that she even told her parents. I suppose she did, but that's just speculation. You know, there's nothing recorded in Scripture where she told her parents. I don't really know. But she had a promise. That's the main thing. And God himself had sent Gabriel to tell her, you will be with child. And that was something that she understood. Now, the conditions of the story that we read, they're at this party. The groom would be held responsible. The wine was running out. And when you read of situations like this, sometimes these events went on, and I think most common was like seven days. So this is at the end, and it's, the wine is beginning to run out. So all of a sudden, here is Mary. And I don't know, here Jesus is beginning beginning his ministry. And here's Mary that's lived knowing that she had birthed the Messiah for at least 30 years. And she's like, I know you can do something. I know you can. And he's like, woman, <laughs> woman. Okay, I believe when he said woman, you know, I don't really, he was speaking to the lady that birthed him. So I don't really, I don't know, but I would know that God, or I would have enough faith in the God that we served to believe that that was nothing at the time to be disrespectful. But what I believe that to be is a defining point in both of their lives. This was Jesus saying to me, this day marks a dividing line. Up to now, you have been my mother. But from here on, you're not my mother. I have come for this purpose. And this purpose is for the saving of humanity. So he takes, he goes, and he goes from there. Mary's knowing she goes to him, you know, goes to him. But. Frustration can be defined as an emotion that occurs when a desired outcome is delayed or hindered in coming to full fruition. Now, we know that to be true. And life is full of such cases. Because when God inspires us to do something or gives us a promise, we envision in our mind 
when it should happen. If it does not happen within that time frame, then we think, what's wrong? What's wrong? Obviously, God is not moving or God is not moving, and so it's something wrong with me. And then we have to really, in all honesty, then is when we have to guard ourselves. Because ultimately, if you keep playing a game with a promise, you'll blame God for it's over. Because if God has authored, truly authored a promise in your life, don't let the enemy turn it around and make you blame God for it. Because, and here is another truth. It's one that... If God authors a promise, if we pass from this life, and as the Bible says, and sleep with our fathers, it doesn't mean that God has broken his promise. God can still fulfill that promise, even if these eyes never see it. Who am I to think that God has to work on my timeline? We have to say, God, if my eyes never see it, I will trust you beyond all measure. Because what you have authored in me, I will trust no matter what. And if we can do that, if we can do that, then I believe that touches the heart of God. Because when we get up, when we get up out of our bed, No matter what our eyes see, trust God. Trust God. We can't let the day dictate the way we feel because we're just full of emotion. You know, us men, you know, we try to be stronger than the women. You know, that don't bother me. What's directions for? Directions is for if the woman wants it. You know, I don't need directions. You know, But when we're so lost and the wife's not looking, we're trying to look at the directions. But we have to trust God when everything looks like it's going wrong. So Mary, Mary was here. Mary was here. And it's truly, this was the defining mark. And and I know I've said this before, just allow me to say it one more time. It is truly unique that the Bible says this was the beginning of miracles and these are the last recorded words of Mary. It's whatever he says unto you, do it. That the Bible records no more words of Mary. That's why I'm saying this was the defining point. It was Mary had brought him. She had fulfilled her role as far as getting Jesus to the point of his ministry. And she had, I hate to say she had done her job. That's, that sounds a little cruel. But she had fulfilled her mission. And she had brought him and to that point. And then she doesn't die off in obscurity because she had birthed our God. She had seen him. And then you follow all the way through. We don't, the Bible doesn't record any more words of Mary. But you go to the birthday of the church. Luke, almost like a side note. Blank, blank, blank was there and, oh yeah. Mary, the mother of Jesus was there. So she had not only birthed the Lord, but at the birthday of the church, 
Mary was there. Now, when the bride, uh, consider the bridegroom when it run out of uh, wine. It would be an embarrassing, a shame to him. Then we see the unthinkable happen. He didn't want that to be. He wanted it to be a, joy, a joyous occasion at this wedding. He wanted everybody to be happy concerning him and his wife. The servants, they were supposed to be serving. All of a sudden, they didn't have nothing to serve. So all of a sudden, this frustration seemed to be on the one that you would not expect, and that would be Mary. Because here's the one I know. <laughs> I know. God has put something in me that I know that you're more than just a man. And she has held it for so long, and so she went to Jesus and said, you know, Basically, you know what? It's time for you to do it. And, you know, what am I to do with thee? You know, woman. And that, did that discourage her? Discourage her? Not a bit. Not a bit. So she just goes to the service and says, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And that was it. That was it. It was done. It happened. Her motive. She was literally, she was the most frustrated person. But. She was validated by everything, by the way it come out. Shit, at this virgin birth, no one had ever heard such a thing. Now, her word for many, but of Mary saying, telling the people that she was pregnant. That wasn't enough for nobody of her telling them. But this promised child was conceived by the Holy Ghost, was sent by God, now, the Bible says it was time for the Messiah to reveal itself. We see this to be happening. It was great. It was to receive a promise shortly thereafter. Promises is not as much about today as they are about tomorrow. And sometimes we, we are the microwave generation. I'm telling you, we just... Can I have it now? Can I have it now? And, you know, what would it really be like if you could literally have it now? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think the Lord would do that. I just really don't think the Lord would do that. God, it's not that God cannot fulfill that in an instant. He just, he can do things, but. He normally chooses to do, to perform promises in a growth of individuals. Now, let's, um, I want to read. Go with me to Matthew, or you can just read on the screen, Matthew uh, 16 and 18. This is the revelation of the apostle. And this is after he, after he has said what he had to say. And this is the Lord's um, reaction to what he said. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, he said, upon this rock I will build my church. Of all the creating the Lord had done, he said, I could. He said, I will create. But no, God said, I will build my church. 
we know enough about building. Building is a process. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, we know in the Bible, you can, you can read um, here, I don't know, a couple lessons back maybe we studied about um, Jericho, where the Bible says Jericho was straightly shut up, the walls was closed, no one came in or went out because of the walls. And that is literally when the Bible says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. What it means is when hell is shut up, all the conspiring, all everything that's going on behind there, all the conniving, all the battle uh, strategies that's going on behind there shall not prevail against the church. He said, they will not overcome my church that I'm building. So he gives us that promise. So, and my point has, has been this. So this is what Peter, he tells him who he is up to this point. No one had, up to this point, no one had directly identified God at like this. That's when Jesus immediately turns around and says, on this revelation will I build my church. Now, look at verse the beginning of verse 21, and the Bible says, if you mark in your Bible, mark this. If you don't, write it down. 1621, from that time forth. When the apostle makes this declaration, God tells his disciples from that time forth, he began to show everything that was going to happen to him, what is going to transpire. That's why I say study all of the Bible. Study all of the New Testament, I would say. The Old, the Old Testament is fine if you want to read it, but study all of the New Testament. From that time forth, when Peter made this declaration, that's when the Bible says from that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples what must happen. And then after that, that's when Peter flipped out. God gave him a little too much information too quick. And then Peter goes off the edge a little bit. And God has to straighten him out. But, what, but my point is this. When you show, when you take an interest on who God is, that's when God can start revealing himself to us. That's why I said don't let, this is our safety net. Uh, we love who God is, and we love the name of Jesus. That is our safety net. I'm telling you, it is. So this is what happened. God can fulfill a promise in an instant, but he said, I will build my church. Now, promises are promises, especially if God has made them. He will fulfill them. Now, our life our Christian life is a journey. It is a process. And a process we go through. We work. We go. Sometimes we just think we're going to come to church. God is going to pow. Going to open everything up to us. I would love that. But it's line upon line. Precept upon precept. You come. You get. You know, it doesn't matter, so to speak, who's behind this. What they're speaking on. They could be speaking on anything. 
and God could anoint something to be said and put it in your heart, just what you need. You know, don't come in, well, it's in there. <laughs> wow. That attitude, you go home with nothing, I promise you. But you come in thirsty and hungry, and you'll go home filled. That's a promise. That's a promise. Because you come in hungry and thirsty, searching. And that's all you got to do is come in hungry. He spoke of running a race, enduring it. And this, this is a journey. If we, re, we remain patient and endure to see the promises of God, they will come true. They will come true. We often experience frustration while waiting on the promises of God. But, and sometimes they are literally on something that we do not have any power over the circumstances. It's just, wow, I don't know how to fix this. I literally don't know how to fix it. That's okay. We serve a God who does. It may not be how we want to fix it, but that's not our problem. That's why I said sometimes in prayer requests you think, my Lord, look at all the requests that needs to be prayed for. And, and don't, don't get me wrong here. You can't just overwhelm yourself down. Our responsibility is to pray. When you have prayed earnestly and asked God to touch, then it is released from you. Then it's in God's hands. That is why we still pray and ask God to move. It is not like, what can I do about this? Because chances are, if somebody's got a terminal illness, these hands can't fix it. But these hands can raise and say, God, I know you can fix it. And pray and ask God to fix it. Because I can't do it. I can raise my hand and say, God, there's situations that I can't fix. But I know you can. And there's promises, all kind of promises that's promised to his children through the scriptures that we should not let the enemy frustrate us in to hope. And just as Mary looked and just, you know, don't, I don't know really of what it would have been like to be Mary. You know, I joked about it a little. When the... Gabriel told her, you're blessed among people, blessed among women, and, and then realize. I wonder if she really felt like telling Gabriel, do you realize what you've just told me? Do you realize that you just put a death sentence upon me? And, and I think what we could take from that if God has promised you something and authored it in your life, not everyone is going to see that like you see that. I'm telling you the truth. I'm just being honest with you. Not everyone is going to see that. That's why you should guard, guard what you have, guard who you reveal it to. And just guard what God does for you. I'm, I'm not saying you have to be stingy with it. But if Mary would have went around telling everybody she was pregnant, she probably wouldn't live but a few days because they would have stoned her literally. 
But God authors, and what God has authored, he will fulfill. And that is truly, truly a blessing to us. He came to fulfill, and what man couldn't do was carry out the law. There were so many requirements, man couldn't do it. So what God said, I'm going to do is give you my spirit to make you able to make you holy, to live my requirements. And that's exactly what he done. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's pray one more time. Ask God to seal this word. Hallelujah. Father, we love you today. Father, most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for what it means, Lord God. Father, we don't want to take it for granted, God. Thank you for what you did at Calvary. Thank you for all your sacrifice, God, for what you've done. Help us, God, to live, Lord God, to live soberly and righteously, Lord God, to you. Father, have your way in us, each and every one. Teach us, God, to be strengthened and to be anointed, Lord God, to be guided by the Holy Ghost. Help us, God, this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it means, Lord God. Touch us, Lord God. Strengthen us, I pray. And we thank and praise you, God, for your holy, holy word. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.